This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the Jeff Merrick Show. Sorry, I was just texting with our pal Ken Weeb. What a beauty Kenny is. What a beauty. Um, Winnipeg Jets are going to be busy, I think. We still await whatever happens with Hellebuck, Blake Wheeler, Mark Shifley. I I said this in the open. It's going to be crazy. It has to be crazy. I hope it's crazy. It'll make this week go by really fast. (laughs) Do we have Corey on the line, guys? Okay, great. Uh, Corey Lavalette from the North State Journal and The Athletic joining me on the show today. Corey, how are you this morning? Doing well. I'm en route to Nashville, so I'm in the mountains of Tennessee. Oh, wonderful. I mean, I've never been, and I heard it's lovely, but I hope you packed shorts because apparently it is piping hot in Nashville this week. Same as Raleigh, so yeah. I'm pretty used to it at this point. I was going to say, that's a, how, long of a, how long of a drive is that for you? Uh, it's about eight hours, but my uh, my oldest is a college student in Asheville, and that's like the midway point, and they're staying at college over the summer. So uh, I was able to make a pit stop halfway through, spend the night with them and see them. And uh, so the ride there is only four and four, but the way back, it'll be uh, it'll be eight. So a little tougher on the way back. The important question is, did they also take your wallet while you were there? Because I know that tends to happen with children, or at least I've heard. Uh, well, they got they got me for a dinner, so they got that, <laughs> and a uh, and a, and an afternoon at the uh, at the arcade. So uh. <laughs> they got you. They got you good. That's okay, though. That's okay. I, I understand. Um, okay, so the Hurricanes have. They, I mean, I don't want to say they've been busy, but I'm sure they've been working the phones, and they, they got the extension done with Jordan Stahl, four years, two point nine million. It's a really good deal for both sides. Um, and it may seem like a really simple question, but do you think it was a, an easy negotiation for both sides? Yeah, you know, there, you know, there was that little bit of a blip there where I think Darren Dreger was the one to report that things had hit a speed bump. And, um, you know, it reminds me a little when Rod Brindamore's contract was up and things were kind of slowing down a little bit. Uh, I don't think there was any chance Jordan Stahl was going anywhere else, just like there was no chance Rod Brindamore was going to go anywhere else. It was just a matter of, all right, you know, here's where the kind of the rubber meets the road and let's let's get this done. And uh, I'm assuming maybe it was about about contract length and then the Hurricanes wanting that number down a bit. So uh, I think everyone makes out here. You know, Jordan Stahl's the type of player that you could see him still being an effective NHLer in four years, even when he's uh, – you know, approaching 39 years old. So, um, you know, even if he has to take a lesser role by that point, which is what, you know, he, he hinted at, maybe, you know, maybe his role changes as he gets older. Um, I think it's a good deal both ways. And he's, you know, he's still an animal. He's an animal in the weight room. He's a, such an effective player and, uh, you know, not the flashiest guy in the world, but uh, he does everything right. And Rod loves him to death. So uh, it was just a matter of getting those things banged out. As soon as you said he's a monster in the gym and he's, you know, he's still a, a very good player. It The first thing that, and I've been thinking about this since he signed the extension was, it does really feel like this sounds a lot like Rod Brindamore at the same point in his career. Now, what what's that relationship like? Because I would assume that Rod sees a lot of himself in Jordan Stahl, especially now. I think Rod wishes he was... Uh you know, five inches, four inches taller. And <laughs> true, very another, true, very true. Another 30, another 30 pounds of muscle, although I don't know where Rod would put that. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Rod is all about 
you know, being responsible on the ice, being on the right place. And Jordan Stahl is such a smart player. And, um, you know, you give up offensive creativity when you're that type of player. And I don't think anyone expects Jordan Stahl to, you know, when he came into the league, he had that monster season where he had like the, you know, a ton of shorthanded goals and, and scored a bunch for Pittsburgh. And everyone thought he was going to be this two-way monster. And, you know, he's just, he's not an 80-point guy, a 60-point guy, anything like that. But Rod just loves the responsibility, um, the leadership. Like I said, he leads in the weight room. I mean, he's, here's a guy who's 34, and he goes toe-to-toe with Andrei Svechnikov every year when they, uh, when they do their, uh, you know, all their stuff at the beginning of the year where they test everyone uh, in the weight room. And he's still, he and Svechnikov are neck and neck, and, and Rod still does those tests too just to show the guys they're, they're doable. So, um yeah, I mean, he just Rod loves him to death, and I think that's, you know, to me, it actually makes me wonder, you know, we always kind of bounce back and forth on how much does Rod want to do this for because he pours everything into it. And I think, you know, Jordan agreeing to four years to me probably means, you know, Rod is going to stay as long as Jordan stays, and then we'll see after that. But uh, those two guys are linked, and, and, you know, Rod just relies on him so much for everything, both on and off the ice. Well, and then, you know, we, we had Aaron Ward on this program. Uh, it was during, it was during the playoffs at some point, And he talked about like the relationship that Rod Brindamore had with Paul Maurice and, and Rod alluded to it uh, in an interview that he did with uh, Sportsnet's own Christine Simpson about like, you know, how he was treated as a, as an older vet and, you know, having the captaincy stripped from him. Like he learned a lot about how to treat players in that time. And he said as much. Um, and I wonder how that all fits into this as well. Like you talk about them, you know, kind of being maybe, maybe they're done around the same time type idea, but that tells me a lot like this extension, getting it done. That it feels like it's something that was really important, not only to Jordan Stahl, but even to Rod Brindamore to make sure that this got done. Right. I mean, exactly. And I mean, you look even back to Rod's negotiations that didn't come down to money for Rod. Rod could have got a lot more money somewhere else. It came down to making sure all of his assistants, all of the guy, you know, the trainers, the uh, Bill Berniston, the, the the guy who gets those guys in the weight room, um, you know, getting all those guys what they deserve too. So, you know, that's what Rod's all about, right? It's a it's a team game, and he's still about that. And you know, he walks the walk on it. So I'm sure, you know, there have been guys who have left that that Rod obviously wanted to keep. They wanted to keep Nino Niederreiter because he fits so well. Uh, with Jordan Stahl and Jesper Foss, and I'm sure he wants to keep Jesper Foss too. And, you know, those decisions have to be made, you know, as, as everyone knows, the team, the front office and Rod and uh, a lot of other people weigh in on all these decisions, and sometimes those deals can't get done. But when it came to when it came to number 11, I think, you know, there was no way, unless Jordan decided he wasn't going to play anymore, there was no way he was going anywhere else. Corey Lavalette from the North State Journal and The Athletic joining Matt Marchese here on the Jeff Merrick Show. Now, there were some rumors this weekend, and I just had Elliot Freeman on. He, he still thinks that the, the deal for Tony D'Angelo is going to happen. Uh, we know that Carolina would have liked to have kept him in free agency a couple of years ago. The number was too high. Is it just something as simple as uh, we like Tony D'Angelo at $2.5 million, we just don't like him at 5 Yeah, and, you know, the, the this rumored thing that's holding this up the whole uh, you know one year between trade thing um you know that's not really the spirit of the rule i would say it's not like this is the same contract that the hurricane signed him to and now they're getting philadelphia to 
to hold that money. It's it's essentially what you're talking about, which is they don't see Tony D'Angelo as a as a top pairing guy. Even you know in bringing him back, he's going to be a, probably a third pairing guy who plays on the second power play unit. And you don't pay those guys, you know, five million dollars. It's the same reason they won't you know likely wouldn't be able to re-sign Shane Gostas Bear because I'm sure he expects that kind of money. And it just doesn't fit with what they want to do. And it's the reason, you know, they're in good cap, a good cap situation. And a lot of the league isn't is they don't bite on this stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it'll get done. And I'm sure Tony would be thrilled to come back. You know, he had a good thing here Um, for all of the fervor around him and everything. You know, he, he kept his head pretty, pretty cool while he was here and, and avoided a lot of the controversy and, uh, was well liked in the room. You know, he had teammates that he had played with with the Rangers there, Brady Shea, and like I mentioned, Jesper Faust. And, uh, you know, so he knew guys there also, you know, Jordan Martinuk in Arizona for a little while. So, um, you know, he's a good he's a good fit here as far as what they need. Uh, and they know the player. Uh, I know that there's – wherever Tony goes, there's always going to be a contingent of people who are unhappy uh, for some of the stuff that's happened in his past. So we'll see if it gets ironed out. I think it will. Uh, and it's a, you know, man, you can't, you don't want to keep a guy for 5 million, but you get him for half of that, you know, not, not, a, not bad work by the hurricanes front office. No. And they're consistently pretty good at, at finding those types of deals. Like let's, you know, look no further than the Brent Burns deal that they made last off season. Uh, speaking of defensemen, and I know it's not a direct correlation because they're not the same player. And, and I, and I don't want it to come off that way, but um, should this Tell us a little bit about how conversations are going with Brett Pesci surrounding an extension in that, you know, they may want to, if they can't get an extension done by, you know, just after the draft that maybe they deal him before that he does have one year remaining on his deal, really team friendly. And he's due for a pretty significant raise. I would think, um, does that, does this conversation about D'Angelo give us an indication of what's going on there? I mean, I think you certainly have to consider it because all of a sudden now you have four right-handed guys and you've got one left-handed guy uh, among your among your projected top six, and they have one hole in there that they need to fill with uh, with one guy leaving. So um, you have to consider that. However, like I said, I you know they see D'Angelo on on that third pairing, and Brett Pesci leave. If Brett Pesci were to leave, then I think you know the plan would be probably Jalen Chatfield elevates into that role, and if if they can get something worked out with Brett Pesci, I mean, they love the guy. Uh, it's the same situation we just talked about, like with Nino Niederreiter. They want him back. It's just how does it how does it fit into the structure? And you know, Brett Brett got underpaid. I mean, let's be honest. You know, at just over four million a year over the course of that second contract, uh, he was a bargain for the Hurricanes. So nobody can fault the guy for being like, hey, this is probably my last payday. Let me go get it. Uh, it just comes down to is there is there a middle ground? You know, we saw this with. Dougie Hamilton too. They wanted to get you know get him resigned, but uh, the the kind of contract that was out there for him, like with the Devils, was just too rich for their blood. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. You know, if they can get Brett Pesci resigned, then does the focus shift to Brady Shea, and do you you know do you try to move him instead? And you know, can you get him resigned because he's in the same boat? He's a he's a free agent after next season. So uh, and then. You know, you've got Alexander Nikishin to consider a couple years down the road, too, who, from what I understand, could plug right into your top four now, um, but they're going to have to wait on him. So uh, it's, it's a really interesting situation. It's, uh, you know, they, they won't be in a bad place if they have to trade Brett Pesci, I don't think, because I think Jalen Chatfield can take on a bigger role. He's not going to be Brett Pesci, but 
Um, you know, more draft capital, more uh, more cap space just means more, you know, more opportunity to make other moves. So uh, we'll see. I know they're still working on it. Um, speaking of that, and I do want to get into the goalies before we finish up here, but, you know, last year there was a conversation about, well, this team's going to have trouble scoring goals. So what do they do? They go out and they, they bring in Max Pacioretty. It doesn't work out. Obviously, the injuries were horrible. Um where do you think the pro- where do you think um, finding a, a scoring winger or a center is on the priority list? Because you know Elias Lindholm's name has been out there, and I know that he was in Carolina before and and got dealt to the Calgary Flames. Where is that? A, is that of importance to them? Because even in the even in the playoffs, it really did feel like. I mean, aside from the New Jersey series, because that was insane, but you know there was a lack of high end scoring, especially with Svechnikov being out as well. Is that something that is at the top of their list, or do you think that there are other pressing needs that they need to look at? Well, I mean, I think, you know, just like the Pacioretty deal, I think they're in a good, you know, they have, they have the upper hand on almost everyone in the league as far as if teams want to move money out, um, the Hurricanes have the cap space, so it becomes an interesting situation. I, I think a guy like Travis Konechny would be a great fit, but the Flyers are one of the teams that doesn't need to clear cap space. So that becomes a interesting situation. Do you, um, you know, if Toronto wants to make a big move is, is William Nylander out there to maybe trade for the problem with that is they're not going to, they're not going to give him away for nothing. Like, like Vegas did for Pacioretty. So they're, you know, they're really creative and they do things out of left field. Sometimes, you know, the Pacioretty thing was kind of out of left field, the Burns thing. We had, you know, very little, you know, warning that that was going on. So, you know, while you see the names that are out there and, you know, could they go after one of those guys? I certainly think they'll ask about everybody because that's what they do. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think they're going to, they're going to look to try to, to try to rectify that. To your point, losing Andre Svechnikov is a big blow in the postseason. You know, that's your, uh, arguably your, your best shooting player out there. And then you don't have him uh, and a physical force. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Like I said, you're armed with draft picks. You're armed with cap space. Uh, you can do an awful lot without giving up an awful lot. So uh, I'll, I'll be curious to see what they uh, what they come up with. But I think it'll it'll be it'll be a priority to get to get a little more oomph in the lineup. I think. Do you think they could try and bring Max Pacioretty back on a cheap one year deal? Because that I mean I don't know how many teams are going to be willing to invest in a, a 35 going to be 30 or 34 year old going to be 35 year old. Uh, by next season, is it is there? You think there's a conversation to be had there to to bring him back into the fold? He can maybe still play in those top six minutes, give you that scoring, and give it to you for uh, a lot less money and maybe you know a lot less term too. Yeah, I mean, I think they could they could circle back with him if they feel like he's healthy enough to play. I mean, we saw what they did last year with Andre Kasha. They they rolled the dice on him and they knew what his history was and said. Well, here's a one-year deal, and it's not a whole lot of money, but if you can play, we know you're going to be uh, a positive player for us. And if you can't, well, you know, so be it. We'll pay you the million and a half, and uh, we'll try to get you the best care we can. And so that's the big thing is, you know, Ken Max, you know, that's a devastating injury. I mean, I, I talked to Anthony Duclair about it during their the Hurricane Series with the Panthers. Uh, he said he and Max talked a lot, actually, because they knew each other from, you know, Anthony – stays in Montreal in the off season and Max was playing in Montreal. So they'd skate in the off season. So they knew each other pretty well. Uh, it's tough. I mean, you see how well Duclair came back from it, but now you've got a guy who's older and patch and now he's gone through it twice. And 
Uh, that's a tough, that's a tough, tough injury. I, I grew up a Miami Dolphins fan and, you know, Dan Marino had that injury. And I just remember like, oh my God, can he, can he come back and play? And he was never the most mobile guy in the world anyway. So he, he did all right after it, but uh, skating is a whole different thing. So uh, we'll see what happens with Max. I, you know, you feel awful for the guys, especially when you look and see who ended up winning the Stanley Cup and he, he didn't get to be a part of that either. So uh, we'll see. I think they could circle back on it if he, if he feels like he's healthy and can contribute. Um, but I think they'll also, you know, throw their line in the waters and see what else they can pull out. I got about 90 seconds for this, so I'll be quick with my question. Uh, the goalie market is, is a very interesting one. It includes two of the Hurricanes goalies in Freddie Anderson and Antti Ranta. Uh, we expect Peter Kachekov to to take on a, a bigger role with the club next year. I think that's pretty obvious. Which of Anderson or Ranta do you think will be back? Or could they go in a different direction and we see neither of them back next year? Well, just like the trade market, I think they're in a great spot as far as the, go- the goalie market is pretty flooded. So I don't think there's going to be a, a ton of a bidding wars going on for guys uh, just because there's so many guys available. So, I mean, to me, it makes sense to to look back to Frederick Anderson uh, just because, you know, Antti Ranta really hasn't played more than 30 regular season games in forever. And can you rely on Pyotr Kachekov to play 50? And that, that seems like that's a pretty – that's a pretty tough ask for a rookie goalie who's still finding his way a little bit. Um, so, you know, with Anderson, you could, you know, bring him in. He could still be the de facto number one goalie. You can ease Kachekov into a bigger role. And, uh, and you know, if, if it's a multi-year deal for Anderson or if it's one year, whatever, you can, you know, make a transition to, to making Kachekov your number one if he proves that's a job he deserves. So to me, that makes more sense. And, you know, Anderson didn't have a great year, let's be honest. I think everyone, you know, his playoffs, you know, give give everyone hope of who, what he can be again. Uh, his regular season wasn't great, and he was hurt a lot, but uh, he kind of shook off the whole Toronto, you know, playoff Freddy thing by having a great playoff. He just, he ran into Sergei Bobrovsky. What are you going to do? Yeah, that, there were a couple guys that ran into Sergei Bobrovsky along the way. Uh, Corey, listen, uh, safe travels the rest of the way to Nashville. Thank you so much for, for taking some time and uh, enjoy the week down there. It's, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Anytime, Matt. There he goes. Corey Lavalette from the North State Journal and The Athletic. When we come back, Hour 2 kicks off with our pal Jonathan Davis from NHL Network Radio and the Show Me the Money Hockey Betting Podcast. There's a lot going on in that Pacific Division. Like, the LA Kings are busy. We anticipate that the Calgary Flames are going to be busy. What about uh, what Arizona did bringing in Sean Dursey? And of course, Aiden Hill signs an extension with the Vegas Golden Knights. What does that mean for Robin Lehner? All of that and more with Jonathan Davis from NHL Network Radio when we return, Matt Marchese in for Jeff Merrick the whole week on the Jeff Merrick Show. You're listening on the Sportsnet Radio Network, watching on Sportsnet Now and Sportsnet 360. Back after these. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome to Hour 2, the Jeff Merrick Show. Matt Marchese in for Jeff. I'll be in here all week. Try the veal. Oh, it's it's going to be so much fun. And 
yes, because I'm hosting, it's going to be fun. Don't get me wrong. But there's going to be a lot of stuff. If this past weekend was any indication of what we should expect the rest of the week leading up to free agency with the draft happening, like I don't anticipate a ton is going to happen today, the NHL awards. Although you're not really supposed to make news during the Stanley Cup final during game days and people were doing that all willy-nilly. So that clearly didn't matter. So why should the NHL awards be any different? Linus Allmark gets traded during the NHL awards. Could you imagine that one? As he's receiving the Vezina trophy. I pray for chaos, as I mentioned in the open today. That would be as chaotic as it gets. I still think he's going to get moved. They got to sign that Swayman guy to an extension. There's a lot going on. Like we're we're awaiting, we think a Pierre-Luc Dubois trade, whether it's to the Montreal Canadiens, whether it's to the um, LA Kings. Pacific Division is going to be busy. What happens if the Kings make that deal? Who do they have to move out? I know who's got answers to these questions. Jonathan Davis, NHL Network Radio, and Show Me the Money Hockey Betting Podcast. JD, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great. A lot of pressure on me to come up with the answers, though, dude. I know. I, I tend to do that. I, it's because I trust you. If I didn't trust you, then I, I wouldn't ask these questions. But, you know, the, the first thing, well, firstly, um, the Jersey trade, the first thing I thought of was, okay, Brent Clark now has a spot. There's no question about that. He has nothing to prove at the Ooh. OHL level. He was incredible. Then I was like, oh, hold on a second. They just freed up a little bit of money and acquired an asset, which means it has to mean that they're trying to make a, a Pierre-Luc Dubois deal. And then my head goes to, well, hold on a second. They've got to, they've got to move somebody out. So I, I would assume that it's Gabe Velarde going back in the deal in some way, shape, or form. And then there's a conversation about they still have to figure out what their goaltending situation is. And they probably, if they're signing Dubois to, let's say, an $8 million times eight extension or more, well, then they've got to move somebody else out. Like Rob Blake, if he makes this deal, yes, I agree. Acquiring talent is important, but there's a lot of work to be done afterwards too. Oh my God. My head's going to explode with everything you just shared there. Uh, okay. That's what I'm here so for. Off, uh, I'm not so sure that Brant Clark is going to be, I think Brant Clark will be one of the guys. I think we're forgetting about Jordan Spence who has you know played 30 NHL games and has not looked out of place. And a guy that you know in Ontario for the rain, you know, had eight goals and 87 points in 102 games. And like I said, in his limited action, I think what LA is going to do to fill their 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 third pairing, it's going to be a combination of likely Spence, Clark, and Tobias Bjornfoot. I think those three guys will fill those two spots. But I'm not so sure that you know, that Brant Clark is going to be that guy that's going to play 82. So let's start there. Uh, with respect to Dubois, I, I will push back on something you said at the top of your show today, that if they were to acquire Pierre-Luc Dubois, they would have the, the three best centers. That would be the best center trio in, in the league. No, no, no I just said I, the Pacific. I said the Pacific. Okay. Okay, I would say not even in the Pacific. Hmm. I would take what Vegas has. Sure. I, I'm not a big Dubois guy, to be honest with you. I mean, this is a guy that's never scored 30, has not been a point-of-game player. I mean, you know, at 63 points was a best for him last year. Um, I don't know, know if this deal, you know, we'll see what ends up getting moved, Matt. I don't know if the deal makes the Kings better. 
at the end of the day with what they're going to have to move out to get Pierre-Luc Dubois, and they don't have a goalie. Like, they don't. Like, that's the thing. They don't. And that's a big, that's a big matzo ball that's hanging out there for them. Yeah, just a, they, just, a, they, just a bit. Yeah, you know, because look, Phoenix Copley is the, is the one guy that they have with NHL experience that's in their system, but he couldn't start in the playoffs for them. They went with with Jonas Corposalo. We'll see what happens, you know, with, with the goaltending situation. And then the other thing, you know, if you're signing Pierre Luc Dubois to a, a, this max deal. You know, it does, like, I, the Kings, if they trade for Dubois, it just further emphasizes they're going for it now. But it also tells me that, you know, they're not sold with Quinton Byfield right now, who is going into his fourth year, you know, out of the draft, as being a center option for them. And that's another story in Los Angeles. Uh, well, I mean, maybe not right away. But I, I I wonder if that's just like the contingency plan here for whatever happens with Kopitar down the road because yeah. he's 35. I think he'll be 36 if I'm not mistaken in by August. the time the season in starts. August. Yeah. So yeah. Th- and and that's part of this whole conversation as well. The other the other thing is too is you know Kevin Fiala is their most talented forward. I, I don't think there's any question about that offensively. And and if you're gonna pay, pay Pierre Luc Dubois eight million, I'm also a big Pierre Luc Dubois fan, so I'm on the mm-hmm. other side of the spectrum. But I agree in that I have a hard time paying him more than Kevin Fiala, who's gonna put up seventy five to eighty five points a year. Like that's how I look at that. Well, and then the other thing is they've got a looming free agent, you know, a year from now, and Victor Arvidsson, who I think is you know has been nothing short of, of really good when he's healthy. That's been Arvidsson's biggest problem. But he is supremely talented and maybe a better passer than, than, a, you know, than a scorer. The one problem, you know, the one pushback that I will have with Fiala, yeah, he is supremely talented. But, Matt, what, what I'm baffled at is that in Minnesota, he couldn't play with Kaprizov. And in Los Angeles, he couldn't play with Kopitar. Can't play with the team's top players. I, 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 I just find that very interesting. Yeah, it's, it's something I've always... I always tell people like it, it's not it's not super easy to play with the best players, and I'm not saying that that's Kevin Fiala's problem, but you know it's like everybody says, oh, well, you could play with Sidney. I could score 20 goals with Sidney Crosby. Well, no, you can't because there's a reason why Sidney Crosby in in a lot of ways hasn't played with stars because sometimes it just does, just doesn't work out that way. They think the game on a different level. It's not necessarily about skill. It's about how you think the game sometimes as well and the speed of it. That's why a guy like yeah. like Pascal Dupuis was was such a good fit because he was a smart player. He did the dirty work and and he could keep up with Sidney Crosby. So I, I agree. I don't I don't think it's always so so cut and dry. Um, with LA, the other name that keeps popping up as a guy that you know could move. They just they and you and I talked about this when the Trevor Moore extension was signed. It was kind of baffling in that you know. They were going to have to figure something out. Like, are they going to move Alex Iafalo? They they have to make room for some defensemen. They have to sign a, a goaltender or trade for a goaltender. Like, is he the guy that makes the most sense to be moving out? He's got, what, two years left at $4 million, and then he's a UFA. I feel like there is some value there if they were to move him. Maybe he's a guy that ends up going the other way in a, in a Pierre-Luc Dubois deal. Yeah, it's my understanding that that's a guy that either L.A. is pushing for or that Winnipeg is pushing for. Because the other thing, you know, let's also remember with Winnipeg, and you said it, IFALO's got two years left on his deal. And, and so Winnipeg, I would, you know, is going to want somebody with term. You know, you, 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 if, 
you know, Velarde is part of the deal. You know, this is a guy that's an RFA. Um, you know, he's an RFA this season. And so he's got a, he's got a new contract coming to him. But would he want to re-sign in Winnipeg? I, I, I'm not so sure. So I think that Winnipeg would definitely want somebody with term. And then, you know, look, I follow a guy that really, you know, slots in likely this year. He would, you know, especially if you're trading for Dubois, like I follow is going to be on their fourth line. You can't pay a fourth line guy $4 million. It just doesn't make a, a lot of sense. And so, yeah, I would think he is the likely guy. Um, you know, but I do have, I still do have concerns though, Matt, with this, with the Kings lineup, because, you know, two years ago, the, the talk in Los Angeles was just the play of the, of, of, of Deno and Trevor Moore. But man, last year was just a, a year that both those guys just kind of fell off, you know, Moore went from 17 goals to 10, went from plus 20 to minus 2, and Deneau went from 27 goals to 18 and plus 14 to minus 8. I mean, it wasn't the same. Those, those two guys who they are heavily counting on are not the same. Now, if Dubois comes in, I would expect Dubois to be on a line with Fiala and Arthur Kelly, and that, that could be a, a, potent, a potent trio. Yeah, and, and, you know, the other thing, too, that I wonder about, because you talked about, you know – like the the impact of Arvidsson, like you want to keep Victor Arvidsson, and I understand all that. But do you not think? And the thing is, is he plays the game in such a way that you don't you don't find those guys just you don't pluck them off the back of the uh, the forward tree in the backyard. But mm-hmm. he is a guy that I feel like would have a lot of value, even though uh, he only has the one year left on his deal. I wonder about. If, you, if you're making a contract work for Pierre-Luc Dubois and trying to figure out your goaltending situation, if Arvidsson's another guy that, that other teams covet? Well, I'm sure they do, but the LA Kings don't have a replacement for Victor Arvidsson. It's yeah. not in Ontario. It's not Jared Anderson Dolan. It's not Aiden Dudas. It's not Samuel Fagamo. They don't have a replacement for Victor Arvidsson. So, again, if that's what you're moving to get Pierre-Luc Dubois, are you really making yourself better at the end of the day? And that's the biggest question that I have with this deal, uh, you know, if Los Angeles makes it. it. Are you more surprised that it's it's Dubois that they were talking? I mean, and maybe they could have been talking to the Jets about Hellebuck as well, but didn't Hellebuck make the most sense as a target for the Kings, especially considering, you know, they have to figure, they might have a much younger defense next year, bringing in a goalie with the reputation like Hellebuck, who's up for the Vesna Trophy again this year. Didn't that one make a little bit more sense to you? It makes more sense than Dubois, but again, with the way that their cap situation is, like I, I just don't know how this all works at the end of the day. You know, I think when you take a look at, you know, ideally, you know, if, if Aiden Hill was not, you know, doesn't resign in, in Vegas like we believe this would happen, you know, being able to find a goalie at that price tag would work a lot better for what LA, you know, needs to do. Like, here's the thing, you know, LA's top four right now on the blue line, I, I think they're really comfortable with, with Mikey Anderson, Drew Doughty, Gavrikov, and Matt Roy. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you take the Vegas philosophy and, you know, you, you, you play a style that, that uh, you know, doesn't force your goalie to have to make a lot of the big saves, you know, you're, 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 you're taking away those, those great eight chances. I mean, LA can survive. Um, I just don't, you know, Connor Hellebuck at that price tag, I just, I, I, you know, they've really painted themselves into a corner that if, even if you trade Hellebuck, again, what are you giving up to get him? And, and how, you know, can you make, are you really making yourselves better? I mean, look, you know, Velarde at the end of the day, you know, look, finally exploded at 23 goals last year. You know, 
five less goals than, than Dubois and was out for, you know, a period of time. So, uh, like I said, I, I'm, I'm not sure. You know, if you told me that, that Pierre-Luc Dubois, Matt, was coming in on a two- or a three-year deal, okay, I'm in, I'm in on it. I think that makes sense. But if you're talking about a max deal for, for Dubois, you know, I'll, I'll use the Doug McLean line. I think uh, not what I not not what I'm saying, but what I'm hearing. I think that uh, you know, there, there's definitely been questions about him. And I talked to a couple of scouts who you know watched him over the last two playoffs, and you know, not very impressed um, at the at the you know the, the toughest time of the year with the way he played. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how how this thing all plays out. Jonathan Davis, NHL Network Radio, and the Show Me the Money Hockey Betting Podcast. Okay, you mentioned Aiden Hill there, so let's get to that deal. Uh, two years, four point nine million per season. It's a really nice deal for for the Golden Knights and Hill. Um, but what does that tell us about the future of Robin Lehner here? Well, it tells us that he's not going to be a member of the Golden Knights. I mean. Uh, you know, whether whether he is, you know, physically not able to play because of the three surgeries that he's had on his hips, or if he says, I am ready to go, I am healthy, then they buy him out. Um, you know, that, so if you buy him out, it'll be 750000 against the cap this year. It goes up in both years two and three, and then back down to seven fifty in year four. And so it, it definitely would give the Golden Knights, you know, still give them flexibility. But there's no way that Robin Lehner comes back. Um, you know, one thing, I remember talking to a couple of people at the Golden Knights during the year, and they would never mention guys by name, but they just said to me, you know, just take a look at who's not on this roster from the year before. And they talked about addition by subtraction. And you have to believe that Lehner was one, and, you know, I think to some degree, you know, Max Pacioretty was another. And I know that, you know, they, they really valued a guy like Riley Smith. Um, and not that their salaries were the same, but there's no way they could have kept Smith and Pacioretty on the roster. And so, you know, it, that was a change room this year, uh, this past year. And obviously, you know, it led to a Stanley Cup win. But there's no way Robin Leonard comes back uh, to this team, even if he's healthy. They've got they've got a, a bit of an interesting offseason here, Vegas. Like, yes, they just won the Stanley Cup, but they have $3.5 million in cap space before the Hill extension hits cap friendly. So they've got a Brett Howden extension to do as well. And mm-hmm. and they've got some they've got some work to do. And I, I don't see obvious candidates here. I mean, yes, the laner thing does make a lot of sense. But even after that, like they still have some finagling that they have to do here. And I know that Vegas has been able to work cap magic since they came into the league, but uh, I'm not saying that they're not going to be a contender again because they are. They've shown that, and the majority of their roster is coming back. But there's going to be one or two players that maybe we thought would be sticking around that might not be just so that they can become cap compliant. Well, I think so, Matt. Don't they have, I think they've got 15 of their 16 forwards still under contract. I mean, their, their problems really come next year. Um, and I think really all the decors still, they don't really have a lot of contracts to worry about. I don't believe, I mean, you it's, know, the it's bar, more you know, just, it's more just getting the Hill thing to fit and then getting the Howden extension done. That's where they've got to come up with right. some of the money. They, yeah. Once the Hill extension comes in, then they're going to be over the cap. So then they've got some things right, to figure if, out. But if Laner goes on, on LTIR, then that's, you know, then, then that changes everything. If he stays on LTIR, then they're going to have the money. As lo- well, they ha- they can't put them on LTIR until the start of the season, right? So then they're, that's no, going to be part of the conversation. Right. All I'm saying is that it's right. going to be there's if they want to get a Howden extension done, he played really well in the playoffs. 
He was a really nice Absolutely. fit among that forward group, and he's he's certainly going to be in for a raise. I guess the question, he's probably going to be a guy that gets like, you know, a two-year extension and, and maybe he gets a couple million bucks, but they're going to be tight the whole year, essentially, is, is what I'm getting at. Like, they're going to have to do yeah. at least a little bit of work, and... They they are for, they are fortunate because they have Logan Thompson on a on a really good number. They've got like guys like Mike Amadio and Paul Cotter. Like they're they've got friendly contracts here. I'm just very curious to see because you know everybody wants to be better than the Stanley Cup champions. Might they be a team that just looks at it and says, you know what, we're comfortable here and we're not going to make any significant moves. I I would tend to agree with that. And look, they've <laughs> they've bought themselves you know a couple of years of you know, <laughs> uh, of a setback, if, if that's what were to happen. I don't think Bill Foley would allow that. Um, but look, there's no question that next year it gets really tricky with the extensions that they have to think about, you know, whether it's a guy like Jonathan Marshall. So, uh, you know, that's, I mean, that, that's first and foremost that comes to mind. But I think, you know, they'll pretty much roll back with the same roster that they had, you know, this past season and, Look, I, I think, you know, there was a lot of concern that they weren't going to be able to keep Aiden Hill, uh, but they made that work. And so now you've got Aiden Hill and Logan Thompson. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, how things work out. Like, I, 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 I don't think Logan Thompson is excited about being a backup. You know, he showed that he could play in this league. And it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, is it going to be a 1A, 1B? You know, what's the split going to be? Um, in Vegas uh, amongst the two goaltenders. So I'm, I'm interested to see how that all plays out. But I think this roster, you know, uh, yeah, there's, look, they would like to, they, I think there, you know, there was thought that, you know, with Laner going on IR eventually, you know, could they find a way to keep Barbashev as well? Um, that, that may be a pipe dream. But at the end of the day, they, they've still got, you know, 98% of their roster locked up and we'll, we'll see where it goes. I, look, I think there's, they, they may be partying until day one of the season starts the way things have been going. It, it's been quite a wild ride in Vegas. I would be too. I may not come back. <laughs> yeah. I would, I may not be able to come back after all the partying I'd be doing after winning the cup. Cause I know it probably would never happen again. It's not going to happen for me anyway. So I'm just sitting here living vicariously through everybody else. I just saw Jack Eichel's massive tattoo that he got Uh good, good on him. Um, Okay, so uh, the Pacific Division for me is one of the more intriguing ones this offseason because we look at, you know, they have the, the, it is the home of the Stanley Cup champions. We, we talked about the LA Kings and they want to make a step forward. Um, the other team that I'm, I'm assuming wants to take a step forward is the Seattle Kraken. And, and they're super interesting to me because they took that massive step forward after their inaugural season. They beat the Avs in the first round. They take Dallas to seven games. They've got cap space. You know, they still have to extend guys like Morgan Kiki, Daniel Sprong, Will Borgen, but they also have to extend Vince Dunn, and that's going to be a big yes. one. Um, they could use a star or two, it feels like, especially because, you know, especially in, against Dallas, yes, I, I know that there was the the Ottinger non-factor in that series, but Ottinger really kind of shut things down, and and it really, you know, you can win with depth scoring only to a certain point, but when if you want to win a cup, it feels like you need some stars. Um, could you see Seattle being kind of an under-the-radar team looking to go out and make a splash and, and acquire uh, a pretty high-end forward? Yeah, I, I could absolutely see it. I mean, you know, you, you know, can Jared McCann score 40 again? I mean, I, you, know, I, I, you know, Seattle's hoping that he could. Uh, but, you know, I think sometimes you have to be careful 
you know, do you want to mess with, with success? I mean, you, you know, you had, a, you had a forward group that no one played less than 10 minutes. Now, look, they're going to have, you know, you know, does Shane Wright make the team next year? Does Cole Lynn make the team? Does, does Ty, you know, you've got Ty Karche. You've got, you've got some guys that, that, you know, that tasted a bit of the NHL and, and had good, good years in the AHL. You know, you've got that opportunity to help, you know, to, to help this group. But, yeah, look, Vince Dunn is going to be the, the biggest one. And, and you have to take care of your own. There's no question. And he wants to stay, I, I believe. But I think that for me, that's the first thing that you have to do. I, I, I still look back, Matt, what, what went on in San Jose. And I think that the downfall of the San Jose Sharks was when, the, when they decided to, you know, to move away from both, you know, Joe Pavelski, you know, Joe Pavelski, when they moved away from him and, you know, you decided that you were going to keep a Vander Kane over Joe Pavelski and, you know, what the Eric Carlson contract did to this team. Take care of your own first. Uh, because it goes a long way in that room. And if you can add somebody without, you know, sacrificing too much, uh, I don't think, you know, Ron Francis is pretty smart. I, I, I think that they find a way to add something. And, you know, what, what do they do in goal t- you know, with, with their goaltending? Are they, are they sold that, that Grubauer is the guy? He had a really, you know, an outstanding playoff. If he can continue that, then look, ultimately at the end of the day, that's it. I mean, that's the big problem, you know, Again, go back to Los Angeles. They don't have a goalie. Seattle needs a goalie. Same thing at Edmonton. If they can find a way to turn around Stuart Skinner, it changes everything with that team as well. Yeah. Um, I, I, this this offseason will be – the and specifically the Vince Dunn contract will be interesting to me because uh, Ron Francis has never signed a player worth more than 5.9 on an AAV, and that's Philip Grubauer. Uh, the other thing that he hasn't done is sign a guy to a max eight-year deal. The only guy that he's that he's given a contract to longer than six years, only one guy, and that's Jacob Slavin with the Carolina Hurricanes. So Ron Francis has been able to do business on, I don't want to say on the cheap, but on the cheaper than most. And I really wonder where this Vince Dunn negotiation is going to go because he had an excellent season. He was he was their best defenseman. He was he was one of the better defensemen in the league, and finally got a chance to shine after being in St. Louis behind all those other good defensemen. Uh, this negotiation is going to be one that I will be keeping an eye on because I don't know how you don't give Vince Dunn eight years at this point. I think he's shown you that he's going to be a really good player, and then you may be able to you know kind of if you give him the eight years, say okay, we're going to give you eight, but here's what your cap hit is, and and it's probably going to be. Let's say it's six and a half or six, and and that's what we're going to give you. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it. I, I think it, it's it definitely has to start with at least six. I, I was thinking, you know, it was going to start with a seven, but somewhere in that six to seven range at the at, at the minimum, no question. Because when you look at, you know, you've got Jamie Alexiak is at four point six. You got Adam Larson at four. So you know. With, with the numbers that Vince Dunn had, what sixty four points and played like twenty four minutes a game. Um, yeah, it's probably you know, seven. You're he, probably right. Yeah, I, I think that you know it, it's got to be at least a seven. Uh, love to be Vince Dunn right now. I mean, this is a guy that kind of bet on himself, you know, and uh, you know, it, it ultimately it looks like it's going to pay off. But yeah, I mean, look, we haven't even talked about what's you know what's going on in Calgary, and I think that you know what's going on in Calgary is something that. You know, if you're the rest of the Pacific Division, you know, you, you kind of want to pounce on because now, you know, it just, hey, it's another, it, it's it's one potentially less team that you have to worry about. Well, I, so I make yourself as strong as you can. Yeah. And I look at that Calgary situation and I, I feel bad for the fan base because 
Oh, I mean, everybody, and I'm, I said it, I, I, the analogy that I used was the cool kid in the party that committed to going in high school and then said, ah, oh, you know what? I got something better that I'm going to do. And everybody went, Oh, so do I hold on. I'm coming with you. I have other things better to do too. And now everybody, it's like a mass exodus that feels like it's coming in Calgary. Now, Elliot said he wasn't a hundred percent sure on Lindholm wanting to uh, not be there, but it sounded like it was leaning more towards that happening than not. We know Toffoli's name is out there. Backland, like when does this all end? Like if if all of these four would say we're done, and Noah Hannafin says I'm done, like do you look at moving Chris Tanev? Do you look at moving Zadorov? Like how far is this going to go in Calgary? Because it is. Like, we could see one of the biggest roster turnovers ever with the Calgary Flames the way this is going right now. Absolutely. And this is why, you know, like, it's just, you. this is why you can't, you know, negotiate multiple contracts that all end at the same time. Um, or, you know, put yourself into that position. Now, you know, so those were all, weren't all done by Brad for living. But, you know, this is the danger. And, and you know, and, and I understand it from the player's standpoint because, you know, you're you're looking at, at where where this team is going and and where it's been and you know you lose two thirds of your top line from a year ago and you know you're you're seeing that you know there's going to be an influx of of younger players and so I get it like right now if I'm Calgary and, and Winnipeg those fan bases it's it's going to be an awful summer just an awful awful summer and and I feel bad because you've got two fan bases that are so passionate about their teams but. Um, yeah, it, it's not going to look. It's not going to look very good by any stretch of the imagination. Well, look at the roller coaster of emotions for the. I feel like I'm. I feel like I'm Ron Burgundy in a glass case of emotion right now. <laughs> um, imagine the. You know, they lose to the Oilers in the playoffs, and Jacob Markstrom gets seemingly broken. Then it's the Johnny Gaudreau thing. Then it's Matthew Kachuk. And then it's like, hold, hold on a second. We brought in Huberdeau and we brought in uh, Uyghur and we brought in Kadri. Okay, this, is, this isn't bad. Like, we can manage this. We're a playoff team. And then they lose, like, what felt like a record number of one-goal games. They couldn't score when they needed to. And now it's like everybody wants to leave. That has to be the most tortured a fan base has been over the course of 380 days or 390 days that I think I have ever seen. 100%. And look, you know, Brad for living did his best to try to salvage a bad situation, but you know, I, you know, it, it's tough because, you know, you bring in a guy like Jonathan Huberto and I, I, I don't think it was the right fit for him in Calgary. He just didn't, it, it his, the way he plays and what he needed he didn't have that to work with when he came to Calgary as what he had in Florida. And yeah, it, it is really tough. And you have, you know, everything that went on with, with Daryl who can make life, you know, really miserable for, uh, you know, for, for, for players. It, it, it was, it was just, it was just terrible what went on there. And I do. Yeah. I feel really bad for, for Flames fans um, because they've been so close. So, I'm yeah. I'm very intrigued by what goes on, and I'm you know, as as Winnipeg too. I mean, it's and, and everybody knows. We talked about it earlier. It's so tough to get guys to want to sign there. That you know, um, I, I I can tell you, I I know of a, a couple of players, you know, that are in their entry level deals that would love would have no problem going to Winnipeg to get an opportunity. But I think the way I think what we're going to end up seeing in Winnipeg for the next couple of years, Matt, or I wouldn't be surprised is look this is kind of a place where you 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 know you make a name for yourself and then you move on 
Yeah, it really is a shame because those, like we said, those are two really good fan bases. I mean, it could be worse. You could be a Leaf fan. So, you know, and then just (laughs) never have any sort of optimism. That also works. Um, JD, you're always good with your time. I appreciate you uh, taking a lot of it for me today. And uh, enjoy this week. I, I Pray for craziness. Pray for chaos, okay? I always do. And uh, we are going to call you Wally Pip, right? Uh, Jeff seems to think that that's going to be the case, but he's coming back on Monday and then he's back on Tuesday. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe if he decides that he wants to retire, but I don't think I'm taking his job anytime soon. <laughs> I heard his microphone's broken at home. This whole setup is like, you know, it, it's all messed up. Don't tell anybody. Shh. We're keeping that one under wraps. I snipped a couple wires. I'm no electrician, but I think it worked. All right, buddy. All right, bud. There he goes. Jonathan Davis, NHL Network Radio, and the Show Me the Money Hockey Betting Podcast. Uh, heavy on time here, but when we come back, Ailish Forfar from the Fan Morning Show, she's covering the NHL Awards and the NHL Draft for Sportsnet, and we're going to get her take on what's going on in Nashville. How much fun has it been so far? All of that and more with Ailish Forfar when we come back. Matt Marchese in for Jeff Merrick on the Jeff Merrick Show. You're listening on the Sportsnet Radio Network, watching on Sportsnet Now and Sportsnet 360. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back. Final segment of the Jeff Merrick Show for Monday, June the 26th. Man, where did this whole season go? I know Lance is done with it. As he smiles behind the glass, yeah, I don't have to hear you anymore. <laughs> uh, all we do is have fun. We got lots of jokes here on the Jeff Merrick show. Um, it's awards night in Nashville. Jeff, I don't know when Jeff is. I think he's just there for the draft. I just hope he brings me back a souvenir. Maybe some Nashville hot chicken or something. Maybe our next guest can bring me back some Nashville hot chicken. I don't know how good it's going to be by the time she comes back, but we'll see. Ailish Forfar, co-host of the Fan Morning Show, covering the NHL awards and the NHL draft for Sportsnet. Uh, firstly, Ailish, how is Nashville? Oh, wow. I had to like, hunt down a place that's not playing live music because it's like impossible to not run into a place with live music to do this interview, but um, it is incredible. It's my first time, so I'm kind of learning the ropes, um, and I've had... You can hear my voice is already kind of like going because it's just, it's, it's loud. It's fun. It's been really, really good. We got in yesterday um, in the evening. So I just did a little tour of um, the rink and I saw all the awards and it's going to be, a, it's going to be a blast. It's very busy already. Okay. Have you been to Vegas before? No, I know, I know, I know. I well, got to figure this out. <laughs> no, no. Cause I was going to, I was going to see if you could compare the two because I've been to Vegas and Vegas is a blast. Okay. I mean, I didn't go during any, any sort of uh, award ceremony or the NHL draft or anything, but um, <laughs> Vegas was great. Nashville is, is on the bucket list. Uh, do you have a suggestion for places to visit in your short time that you've been there? Okay. I don't want to put myself on too much of blast, but we went to Tootsie's, which okay. everybody knows is quite famous. That's the standard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we had a very respectable evening at Tootsie's last night, <laughs> um, but you just like, honestly, it's crazy. You walk in somewhere you look around, there's music on every floor, everyone's playing different types of vibe. And you know what? Toronto needs to take notes because there's no cover anywhere. You can just walk in, check it out, and leave. And if you, 
you don't have to pay $10 to enter a place, but I would say in my uh, less than 24 hours of being here, yeah, Tootsie's makes sense. I know why everybody likes it. We've eaten some really good food. I know you're talking about hot chicken. I'm, I'm standing where I can see the lineup for a hot chicken restaurant, Hattie B's, and it's probably 55 people long. So, yeah, yeah everybody knows where to go here. <laughs> So my my first thought when you when you said that was like the, with the cover is they don't charge enough for drinks in Toronto clearly that they have to make up the money on the cover. Um, clearly in Nashville that's not the case. Everybody's having a good time. Yeah. Um, okay. So so what so what are your duties while you're down there? Like obviously you're enjoying everything before the awards start, but but what exactly are you doing for sports down there? I know you're covering the awards. I know you're covering the draft. Is there anything else that we should expect coming across your Twitter feed? Yeah, so tonight um, will be really great. I'm going to be doing some uh, red carpet coverage um, with the social team. So you'll be looking for some stuff to pump out on our social channels. So uh, I'll get a chance to talk to all the players when they come in. You'll get the, the fit check, who are you wearing, what are you doing, ask Connor McDavid about his engagement, um, ask Mitch Marner about when he was um, um, up on Shania Twain's stage the other night. So, you know, just like very fun red carpet coverage tonight. And then I'll go in and, and watch the awards um, with the team. So that'll be really fun. But on Wednesday's a big night for myself and Colby. So we're hosting the draft cast stream and that'll be on our YouTube page on Sportsnet's YouTube page. So Colby and I will be live streaming for probably three to four hours together um, right behind where the kids get drafted. And so we get them like right when they come off the draft floor, like they're getting all the guys immediately in their moment. They're going to sit down with Colby and I, and we'll just, kind of poke fun and ask, you know, less hard-hitting questions than our real reporters like Luke Fox like. <laughs> so we're, we're basically, once again, more vibe-based. It'll be really, really fun. And that's Wednesday night. So between those two things and then I, and we know whenever I'm seeing anything cool, I'll be posting it. But those are the big, the big jobs that I have. And uh, I'm really excited for them. Couldn't have found a more boring guy to do any draft coverage with, right? Than Colby Armstrong. I mean, what a what a drag that guy is. That's why they brought me. In. I have to bring the vibe. Too boring. Yeah, Col- Colby is one of my favorite people in this business. Okay, so so you mentioned the vibe check and 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 seeing the the fit check for some of these guys. Do you have? A, is there someone that you think is going to be the best dressed, and why is it David Pasternak? Okay, yeah, you stole it from my <laughs> mouth. But you know what I want to see tonight? So, like, yeah, we know David Pasternak's going to come with a good hat. He's going to come with boots. But I want a bolo tuck. I want somebody to wear one, and I want to see the full national experience. Um, I think Mitch Marner. I think I could see Mitch Marner. You know, he is a bit creative. Um, I could see something there. I feel like some of the young guys would be a bit more, like, generic. Um, maybe they haven't really, like, broken for their own fashion fit. Uh, but, yeah, Pasternak never misses. He is so stylish, and he kind of sets the tone for the group. But you're in Nashville, like you got to lean into it. I'm wearing I'm wearing cowboy boots on the red carpet. Nice. I got sports sports style hooks me up with a really cool outfit. Um, and then Wednesday, I've got a full on like suede tassel jacket as well. So like I'm leaning into it. I hope the guys find their fashion fit. Like we saw the NBA draft the other night. Maybe we'll see some red sequin suits, like our newest Toronto Raptor. But I hope they lean into like the southern feel tonight. Uh, as we know, um, and for those that don't know, Ailish doesn't need a lot of convincing to dress a certain way. She did wear a hot dog costume uh, during her radio <laughs> show, the fan morning show. So I, I could imagine that that was not a long conversation where they said, hey, do you want to wear this jacket that represents national? And you're like, uh, did you need to ask me that question? <laughs> yeah, I was like, I went to the fitting um, 
with our team, and they had already pulled aside some things that very much aligned with the vibe of uh, this week. So I was, they knew me well, right? Like, just took a little peek at my Twitter and my Instagram, and they're like, yeah, this girl will wear something ridiculous. Like, they had put this crazy denim jacket on that I honestly think probably weighed 50 pounds because it was so, like, heavily beaded and, and bedazzled and tasseled that I wouldn't have been able to actually, like, put it in my bag. I would have had to wear it on the plane. It was so heavy, but we went with a little bit less of a... Like, it's so hot here. I know this sounds ridiculous. Your listeners are like, yeah, you're a national. But it was 36 yesterday. I don't think I was prepared mentally for that. No, there there are certain places, and people say, no, that's ridiculous, where I say it's hotter than most. Like, I, I went to... Uh, my wife and I did a, a Mediterranean cruise for our for our honeymoon, and we ended up in Malta. And there was not an ounce of humidity in the air, but it was 42 degrees Celsius, and I'm not even joking. So I can imagine what it's been like in Nashville. So Probably not super sticky. humid. Yeah. No, it's oh, it, so it has humid. Been, like, oh, that's gross like, then. 36? So no, no thanks. Yeah, it, it's like I'm looking at my weather app right now. When we landed yesterday, um, I opened up the app, and it says tornado launch. And I'm like, oh, what are we getting ourselves into here? <laughs> and then yesterday, it was extreme weather warning because it's so thick. Like, it is spicy here but um, i'm hoping that the makeup team has like those blotting pads because i'm going to be dripping on the red carpet and you got you can't you can't be shiny you know it can't be as shiny as the trophies that these guys are winning so okay. lots of fun to come yeah well okay speaking of the trophies, and ailish four uh co-host of the fan morning show covering the nhl awards and the draft for sports that's joining me here um the awards you know i'm looking at the finalists and i'm looking at you know who i think is going to win and and it's kind of unfortunate but it kind of just speaks to the seasons that certain guys had, but I don't anticipate very many surprises. I mean, like we think we not, we think we know Connor McDavid is going to win the Hart trophy. We're pretty certain that Eric Carlson is going to win the Norris. We're pretty certain Jim Montgomery is going to win the Jack Adams. And we're pretty certain that the lifetime achievement award, the Selkie trophy is going to go to uh, Patrice Bergeron again. Does that kind of take away a little bit from it? Or is it still like, hey, maybe, maybe, maybe we might be surprised on a couple of these? I think you're right. Like, I was, like, getting refreshed up on the uh, awards. And I was like, okay, so that one's sold. That one's sold. That one's sold. And I guess, like, I mean, Connor McDavid just is going to need a bigger trophy case. I would say that there is still an argument for some of these. But you're making the argument to make an argument for, like, argument's sake. So, yeah, you know, the Vesna maybe, like, there's a little bit of dispute like oh maybe it's going to be you know Sorokin help the Islanders get through but you're like hey Allmark had like the best role um, in Boston's incredible season so I think that maybe I don't think it takes away from it just because is, is there ever a year where it's all up in the air right like usually there's like, these incredible feats that people are getting awards for rookie of the year will be fun like Maddie the year should win it but like then you think about how like Skinner kind of emerged and like there is some intrigue for some of them you know I'm just excited to see trying to pull some emotion from Connor McDavid. That is my goal for the night. I want to pull it from him. You know, hey, how does it feel to win your 9,000th trophy? I got to get something from him. But, I mean, that's big. there were so many record performances this year, whether it was team, whether it was individual-based. Um, a lot of that was in the regular season, and that's when these awards are voted. I always wonder, like, how different would it be if you, you know, factored in some postseason performances. But, it does seem like a lot of it's sewn up. Like, I just went and looked at the actual trophies. I was in the uh, Bridgestone Arena. And I went over to see if they've already engraved the names. Like, that was so stupid. They, they wouldn't do that. But I was like, hey, like, can I get a sneak peek for our hit? And, yeah, they haven't engraved them yet. But I feel like I could 
certainly go up there with a sticky note and engrave some myself. Yeah, you've just put it in pencil, but we're pretty sure that they're <laughs> going to put it in pen very soon. Actually, I meant to I meant to to get this in before. You know, you're talking about how busy it is on the main street there and and all the music and all that. Is this a lot of hockey fans that are there, or do you think this is just the vibe in Nashville in the summertime? That's actually a good, a good question. I asked my Uber when he picked me up from the airport because I said, like, what's the vibe here in terms of fan base? And he was like, people care so much about hockey here. Like, he's like, I think it's underrated because we also have thousands of tourists every day. They had their Pride weekend this weekend, and it just wrapped up when we were here. There's Honestly, I'm standing here, and I can see seven different bachelorette parties happening at once, bachelor parties. Like, there is so many people here for Nashville. But I've already seen people walk around in jerseys as of last night. Like, people are already scoping out where they want to stand to get coverage for the draft. So I think it'll be a nice mix. And that's kind of the, the beauty of it, right? Like, you have hockey in an uncharacteristic area, if that's what you want to call it. Um, and there's probably a lot of people here that don't really care too much about hockey. And they're going to understand that, hey, there's something big here. There's a big draft. There's hockey. Like, what's going on? And, and even my, like, the concierge at our hotel, I was chatting with somebody like, where to go? And I asked about their hockey, you know, what do you think? And they're like, well, I'm not really a hockey person, but, like, I knew that the draft was coming, and I thought it was really cool. I'm like, we're going to try to check out some of the stuff. Like, we're going to try to check it out. So if you're thinking, like, grow the game type, like, doing it in a a setting like this is really special. There's a lot of people that are at least going to be immersed. Like, I can see where Dirk Bentley is performing right now. And so, hey, people like country music. They come to Dirk Bentley. Maybe they fall in love with the Predators. Like, I don't know. It's just... I'm glamorizing it a bit, but I think it's, uh, it is cool to have different types of people here that get an opportunity to experience what hockey's about, what the draft's about. And, you know, it's a little bit different than where it was in Montreal, which is like you know, hockey central, right? So yeah. I think it'll be really cool. I think it'll be really cool to have different groups of people. Uh, okay, so you talked about the draft there, and uh, the team that you get to see a lot is a, a team of great intrigue in the hockey circles. Um, how... How busy do you think Brad Living is going to be this week leading up to the draft and then afterwards ahead of free agency? Like, do you think that he's going to make that big splash that so many people thought he was going to? You know, I, I don't know. I'm not feeling like it's going to be a draft-like splash, but I know on the Fan Morning Show, a uh, plug for my guys this morning, <laughs> I was listening from Nashville, Gunner and um, Cuthbert were on, you know, they had Frank on, and he said that they're really pursuing a good deal for William Nylander. I feel like there'll be a lot of information about like what the core four in the next week will be like, and I, I hope it is more based in that. Like, I don't know what is on the draft table tonight. The Leafs don't have a very high pick, clearly. So I don't know what's available. It, I'm kind of getting the vibe of what we saw with the NBA draft, where there was like all this hype, and then it just kind of went as predicted. But it does feel pretty quiet, and sometimes when it's quiet, there's something underneath the surface brewing, right? So I'll be excited to see. I, I hope there's some chaos for Colby and I. I want to be surprised when somebody trades up and it's like Leafs-related or it's like original six-related, Nashville-related. But I haven't got the vibe that there's going to be too many spicy Leafs-related things here. But it is uh, it is always something that can surprise you. I feel like Bright Living holds his cards close to his heart like we haven't heard too much but the insiders are working you know elliot and then jeff they're working but nothing too too uh, significant has come across my radar but i'll give you the scoop if i see them you know if i see elliot grab his cell phone then you know stuff's going down it won't be me calling he doesn't he doesn't take my call so it definitely won't be me that's on the <laughs> other end of that um yeah you, you, when you look at when you look at this team and and specifically the positional need 
Is there one that kind of stands out for you? Because I think, you know, when I look at it, for me, I, I think the need is you need to add a defenseman and a really good one at that because we saw the flaws in, you know, TJ Brody's game. We saw the ups and downs of Jake McCabe. And we saw Morgan Riley be really good. But after that, there wasn't a lot that you could really rely on. Is that the need for you? Or do you think there's a need somewhere else? I, I would say starting with, with defensemen is, is probably on the top of the wish list. Um, you know, I think the forwards, depending on what you do with Ryan O'Reilly, you can retool that. You got Nylander, you have some opportunity. I mean, Ryan O'Reilly would be real great too. But I think you got exposed defensively throughout the playoffs. You saw teams that made it through with just a better decor than the Leafs. I mean, Gio's like, Gio's on the kind of the end. I, I hate it, aged the guy, but you know, like he's on a little bit of a decline. Uh, Morgan Riley had a great playoff performance. You got to string that into the regular season. But I think, and, and I'm, I'm hearing that too, like trying to rework the defense with the trade is, is kind of the way that they are trending. I think I would be putting that at the top of my list. I feel pretty confident if you can get Samsonov and Wall, like that's, that's fine. You know, obviously there's some really big free agent or um, available by trade goaltenders, but if I had one thing on my wish list, it would be to bulk up the, the decor a bit more because Defense wins championships. <laughs> yeah, I think Vegas was a pretty good example of that. Defense yeah. and playing a good defense in front of your goalie, defensive structure is uh, is pretty important, as you all well know. Okay, uh, last one for you, and then I'll let you uh, get back to some fun. Um, what is the thing that you're most looking forward to about the draft? It could literally be anything, and it doesn't have to be have to do with picking players because that's obviously the most important thing. But what is it for you that you're most looking forward to? You know, you know what, I, I think for me, so I was once drafted um, in the CWHL, and it was such a, like, humbling, full-circle life moment, and I'm not getting drafted to the NHL, but what it is, is, is I'm really excited to talk to the kids right when they have a moment to let it sink in. A lot of these guys know they're going top one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, whatever, but there's, like, you know, somebody that might get an opportunity to get drafted higher, you get to talk to them in that, like, authentic moment where... I think you just get to see, like, the beauty of achieving a dream. I know this sounds really, I don't know, it sounds a bit emotional, but it really is, and I think that that's the beauty of it. We saw that a lot the other night with the NBA draft. But just that, like, humble moment to have these guys talk about what this means to them, their family. I'm hoping we get some really good moments to have conversations where you get to see, like, what, I don't know, how old are these kids now? 10 years, 12 years, 15 years of hard work. That's you. So that's what I'm looking forward to most. And yeah, chaos would be nice, like some trades, some people that slide, and then some people that, you know, maybe they looked, they had that Shane Wright moment where we're all debating if you actually looked at the Montreal Canadiens and gave them a look or not. Or I just think that it's a really cool opportunity for me and Colby to get to talk to the players right after they're drafted and get that real honest insight into how it means and how it feels for them and their family to achieve this moment. So I'd say I'm looking forward to that the most. And then, I mean, probably just, you know, the after party would be kind of fun too. <laughs> yeah, pray, pray for, I mean, pray for chaos and pray for chaos at the after party because that would be, <laughs> that would be a heck of a story. Uh, listen, I won't be sharing that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. That's okay. I'll just DM you. Um, all right. Well, Ailish, <laughs> thank you so much for taking some time for me today. Really appreciate it. Enjoy the week in Nashville and, uh, and you. don't have to wait too long in line for that Nashville hot chicken. Okay. No, no, I've been eyeing the line, so I know I got to come a little earlier in the day. <laughs> All right, <laughs> enjoy. Enjoy. <laughs>
There she goes. Ailish Forfar from the fan morning show covering the NHL awards and the NHL draft for Sportsnet. Um, we talked about the awards in there and that that's goes tonight. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, that is at 8 PM Eastern 6 PM mountain. And that would be 5 PM Pacific. Look at that. Not too bad, but um, I, I think that there's a conversation to be had about the Calder trophy. I really do think that um, Owen power is, I think he gets more votes than people think Maddie Beniers had a really good year and Stuart Skinner also in that conversation. But I look at the other awards and I'm just like, we know Connor McDavid's going to win the heart trophy. That is the worst kept secret in sports right now. Um, the Jack Adams trophy is going to go to Jim Montgomery. But when you look at the, at the other, at the other guys up for that award. And, and I, I really, I really do think that, you know, there are other guys that should be in that conversation. Like I think Jared Bednar should have been in that conversation based on all the injuries that Colorado had. Now, Jared Bednar is not one of the three finalists for that award, but I do think he should be in that conversation. Lindy Ruff, a great year in New Jersey and, and Dave Haxtell, I remember having a conversation with Jeff in January saying like Dave Haxall should absolutely be in the conversation for the Jack Adams trophy. That Seattle team what was a 40 point increase from last year. The, the largest in NHL history. Yeah, that's pretty good without a team and a team that is devoid of a star. Although I think Vince Dunn's going to be a star pretty close. Thank you to everyone that joined me on the show today. Elliot Friedman kicks off the program each and every day in the first block, A Block Elliot. Uh, Corey Lavalette from the North State Journal and The Athletic on the Carolina Hurricanes. Jonathan Davis from NHL Network Radio and the Show Me the, Medi, Show Me the Money Hockey Betting Podcast as well. And then you just heard from Ailish Forfar, co-host of the Fan Morning Show. That'll do it for all of us here. For Lance, for David, for Jen, I'm Matt Marchese in with you all week on the Jeff Merrick Show. You've been listening on the Sportsnet Radio Network, watching on Sportsnet Now and Sportsnet 360.